Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Align yourself with the Spirit or the Ruach or the wind today. Praise God for yesterday. Praise God for your past experiences with the Holy Spirit and the victories and the winds and the movements and all that stuff. Praise God for those things, but they are gone. Where's the wind blowing today? And I'm not talking about being, you know, tossed to and fro like James would warn us about. No, I'm talking about like tapping into the Holy Spirit and like, okay, Lord, I want to be ready to finish a race today. Jesus said that the one coming after him, the Holy Spirit, would empower us to be his witnesses in all of the world. In today's message, Pastor James teaches listeners about the power of the Holy Spirit and how we should lean into that power. The Lord wants to work in and through you, but only if you're willing to be sensitive to the leading of His Spirit. God desires you to do even more than we could ever imagine. How might you turn your heart back to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Zechariah chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Chapter 4 of Zechariah. This is a beautiful, beautiful chapter. Only 14 verses long. And the most, like, in the Calvary Chapel world, this is like the heartbeat of every single Calvary Chapel. Okay? Uh, More specifically, verse 6. However, what often is neglected is the the admonition that that comes after verse 6 of what we really need to get a handle on. But let's, let's, read, let's, let's read into this. This is another vision that um, God is going to give to Zechariah, uh, one of a handful of visions that he has. And so this vision is of a lampstand and some olive trees. And we get right into it. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? Real quick, what I appreciate about this is Zechariah is seeing visions from God, and it is wearing him out. It is exhausting him, okay? So, I mean, we, we've already gone through chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and he, chapter 3 was pretty awesome in that, you know, he had this vision of the high priest and everything, and it has wiped him out physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He is snoozing, which is what should be the end result for each and every one of us when you have an encounter with the Lord. I mean, it should, yeah, you get, you know, a little adrenaline rush, but when you're really serving the Lord, I would hope that your experience afterwards is that you are wiped out. You are wiped out. And it's not a bad thing. That's actually a really good thing because you've given everything you have. And here's Zechariah, he's just seeing visions, and he's like, man, I'm, I, I was out. Like, this angel had to come by and wake me up. He had to wake me up, wake me out of my slumber. And he, and he asks him, he begins to ask him, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps, okay? Or gigantic menorah, okay, is really what he's seeing, like, a massive 
menorah. Menorah is one of those golden lamp stands that would uh, stand within the temple and really it would be the, the one source of light within there. And so here's this, this massive like menorah is what he's seeing. He's, he's, I see this lamp stand. And if it's a big lamp stand, it means it has a whole bunch of oil. Okay, a whole bunch of oil, right? He's like, I also see two olive trees are by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? He's like, so Zachariah's like, you woke me up. And then he asked me like, hey, what do you see? And you're like, big lamp, two trees. And he's like, but I don't know what that means. And I love this about Zachariah because even within this, it teaches us such, such a tremendous lesson in humility. You don't have to know what everything means. You're not going to know what everything means. I don't know if you, you don't know that yet, but here you go. You're not going to know everything. You're not going to understand everything. Everything that the Lord shows you, you're not going to always get it. And that's okay. The angel's saying like, hey, what do you see? And he's like, well, I'll, I'll tell you as best as I can what I see, but I have no idea what these things mean. Well, you're a prophet. You should know what these things mean, right? No, the angel doesn't like chastise them for not knowing. The angel really kind of gets Zachariah to this place where he's like, I just want you to observe. I just want you to notice what the Lord's doing. I didn't ask you to understand or be able to give me an answer always. What I do need you to, what, what I need most from you is that you are watching and that you're observing, okay? The Lord is showing me stuff. Do I know what all that means? No, I don't. I don't. But I know the Lord is faithful And he will reveal that or explain that along the journey, okay? So just hold on tight. If he has shown you something and you're like, I can see what you're showing me, but I have no clue as what what the end result is or what this means, you just need to hold on. You just need to hold on. Verse 5, it says, the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you you not know what uh, what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. He's like, no, I really don't know what's going on. Like, I can tell you what it is, but I don't know what, I don't know what it's about. I don't understand it. Then he answers them, verse six. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, okay? He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So Zechariah is seeing this thing, and he's like, oh, this isn't even for me. I mean, it kind of is, but it's not really for me. This is for somebody else. And the angel's like, you, you, you think he's like, okay, well, let me explain the lamp, and let me explain the trees. He's like, no, no, no. Here's what you really need to understand about this. This message is for somebody else. And the message essentially is this. Uh, Zerubbabel, you ain't got enough power. You are not strong enough. If this is going to happen, it's going to be the Lord. And what he's speaking to is the rebuilding of the temple. If it's going to happen, it's got to be the Lord. It has to be the Spirit. If whatever he has called you to do, it is not going to happen because you're the biggest and the brightest and the best. No. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen because he's doing it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, Ruach, the wind. The Spirit. In 2013, in September of 2013, 
in the American Cup world, which I don't think any of us function within that world, and that's okay, um, but the greatest comeback ever happened. The American team, the Oracle team, that's the USA, taking on the New Zealand team, and the New Zealand team blew an eight-to-one lead that they had on the American team. And uh, just what, what's, what's amazing about this, this greatest comeback ever, I'm looking at these statistics for the boat that they were using. Top speed for the American boat was 55 miles an hour on water, 55 miles an hour on the water. Uh, the length of the boat was 72 feet long. The height was, uh, the mass was 131 feet. And you're, it's a carbon fiber masterpiece is what they are on built for speed and built for winning races, and the thing weighed seven tons. Seven tons, and you got a crew of 11 men that are on this boat. Two boats racing, and one comes out the winner, and that's the American team. What didn't win the, the race for, you know, for the boats, because both boats are basically equal in one sense. Both boats in the race, both had the, the capability of winning the race, Okay. I don't care how big your boat is. I don't care how much carbon fiber you got on your boat. I don't care how big the sails are. If you ain't got no wind, you ain't winning no race, okay? Because you're a sailboat. Sailboats need wind to win a race. And both boats had the capacity. They were built the same, basically. I mean, there's differences and all that good stuff. But one crossed the finish line, so to speak. One went on to, I mean, the American team won like, from race 12, I don't know how technically, they won eight, nine to eight was the, end, was the end result of this whole race. What they need and what they were able to tap into was the wind. They were able to better navigate and utilize the power source that was made available to them. Both boats had access to the same power source. It's the wind. But one was ready. The other team was rusty. Because they just won a race. They just won a race to qualify or to put them in a position where they could challenge the, the USA team. And in one sense, a lot of commentators thought that, well, see, the American team, they were preparing and they were ready for the race. And even though it looked like there was no hope for them, they were, I mean, eight to one, you're down. Like, there's no hope for you. But they won. They won and they won and they won and they won because they were ready and the other team was rusty because they were going off of a past win within their life. And they weren't ready to finish the race. Same wind was available for both of them. This is a, a key for us within this verse. Like, you got to be ready. And, and you can't rest, you know, on past victories. And like, well, the Spirit moved in my life um, like this, this one, this one time many years ago. Well, that's done. That's history. That's history. Are you preparing to catch the wind wherever it blows today? Like, are you, are you preparing, making yourself available to the Holy Spirit? Like, where do you want, where are you leading me today? Because, you know, 20 years ago, it was here. Well, that 20 years ago is gone. That's in the past. And I'm just, I feel like I could tap into that. If I can just create the right environment, but, you know, if I could just make myself this big and... Uh, no, look, you, you got to like align yourself with the spirit or the ruach or the wind today. Praise God for yesterday. Praise God for your past 
experiences with the Holy Spirit and the victories and the wins and the movements and all that stuff. Praise God for those things, but they are gone. Where's the wind blowing today? And I'm not talking about being, you know, tossed to and fro like James would warn us about. No, I'm talking about like tapping into the Holy Spirit and like, okay, Lord, I want to be ready to finish a race today. And that's what these, this crew, they had to be ready for each and every day, each and every race. They, they came ready to like, okay, where's the wind blowing? Like, how do we catch the wind better than those other guys? Because they got the same, they got a cool boat too. And they got a crew that's, they, they're just coming off a fresh victory. One team was ready. And they were, they were willing, and man, they, they, they made sure, like, when that wind blows, we're going to align ourselves, however that works, where we're going to catch that wind. And they won. But they understood. It's not by might, and it's not by power. It's by the Spirit. So this is what we got to get. We, we need to understand this. God's going to supply the power um, the, the, with the lampstand. And, and just, just so we understand this, you've got two olive trees that are supplying all of the juice this, this, uh, this menorah it, it could ever possibly need, right? It's like olive trees make olives, and then you smash those thing down, things down. You've got olive oil, and then that it will fuel the lamps, right? So there you go. We've got an unending supply connected to this menorah that is going to just be burning bright continually. So that's what the Lord provides for us. He supplies the power. The power for you and I is the oil, quote unquote, it's the Holy Spirit. And here's the other thing that he, he uh, the, the reasoning behind us, that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. What the Lord is asking them to do and, and just so we understand this historically, the context, they were discouraged because they're called to rebuild the temple. And it's, it seems like an impossible task. And, and they're discouraged by that. And, and I, I just want you to understand, this verse doesn't carry any weight if God's asking you to do the possible. Okay? This verse carries tremendous weight because God is constantly asking us to step into the impossible. Not because he thinks you can do it, but because he wants to do it through you. So he's always, and this is what he did for Israel. He's like, I'm going to bring you back after 70 years. I want you to go and rebuild the temple. And they're like, we can't do that. And he's like, I know. They even had enemies. If you go over like the the cross-reference for this chapter is Nehemiah chapter 4, where you got all these knuckleheads surrounding the town like, you guys, what are you guys doing? You're wasting your time. You're building these walls. If a fox ran on your wall, it'd fall over, right? They're just hurling insults at him of like, what you're building is pathetic. What you're building is sad. And look at you, you guys don't know, you don't even have a clue as to what you are doing. And God's like, no, 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 no. I've called you to do the impossible, but I didn't ask you to figure it out. And I, I didn't ask you to come with your clever schemes and your plans and your stuff. What I asked you to do is rely on the Holy Spirit because it's not by might nor by power. And yes, the Lord does bless plans and he does plan, you know, he, he's a God of order and all that. We, we agree with that. We embrace that. But man, for anything that the Lord is calling you to do within your life, it has to be him. 
It has to be him completing it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Right? So this is the God we serve, where he's like, oh yeah, I would like to work in your life. I've got plans for you to go above and beyond anything you can ask, and even beyond that, like anything that you can even think of. But I'm willing to work, is what God is saying. He's like, yeah, I I got plans. I got plans for you. And my plans for you are probably way better than the plans that you have for yourself. But I'm willing to work in and through you to accomplish all of this stuff. This is the amazing God that we serve and that we get to call upon as our Abba, as our Papa. And with the beautiful reminder in verse 6 of, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about him. And if he starts a good work in us, then he's going to, he's going to finish it. Our God is a finisher. He's a finisher. So, man, and this is like, this was the, the key verse that I, I know Chuck Chuck Smith references all the time. We had uh, hoodies by, back in Bible college, or like Calvary Chapel Bible College, and on the back, you know, there's sometimes different Bible verses that were representative of, you know, whoever was in charge of designing those things. But Zechariah 4, 6 was one of those key verses for us as Bible college students. Because what Chuck wanted us to get was, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. It's by his spirit. And, and we just have to rest in that. We have to rely on that. But what if I face an obstacle? Well, you will, number one. Um, you will. And in verse 7, lets us know this. Uh, it says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Right? So, okay, so what if, you know, in the midst of this, like, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, like, okay, Lord, I, I understand that, I get that, but like, um, there's a mountain in front of me, like, there's an obstacle in the way. God, what, what are you going to do about that? Matthew 17 tells us. I'll read that to you guys. Don't worry. Matthew 17, Jesus references this, uh, just a good little heads up for all of us. 17 verse 20 says, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you, right? And so this is obviously dealing with a boy who is needing healing, and the disciples are, you know, they're trying to figure something out. They can't, they're, they're just, they're not figuring it out. Like, they're not getting it, Okay. And the Lord's telling him, he's like, oh, no, 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 hold on, because you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to figure this out. But that's not not how this works. I already got it figured out. I just need you to trust in me. But there's a mountain. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's why why this is a thing called faith. And you will speak to the mountain, and the mountain will move. If I want the mountain to move, the mountain's going to move, is what God's saying. He's like, there are no obstacles for me. What you see as an obstacle... I see as a flat plane. And so, Lord, okay, Lord, then 
that's not really a reality for me. You know, like, it's like, yeah, but okay, all I still see is an obstacle. Like, if I'm being real. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you got, you know, a little mustard seed faith. I get it. It's tiny. It's, it's small. But even the small faith is able to move the big mountains. For these guys, they were facing a, a, a mountain. And God's like, oh, don't worry about the mountain. Don't worry about that. I got that. Well, but when? Oh, it, it's going to be years down the road. But don't worry about it. You're like, oh, I don't have. As they're in the midst of rebuilding the temple, they're like, no, we want it done today. And God's like, well, it can't happen today. But it will happen. And for them, the temple would be finished. It would be rebuilt. And God, who's going to supply all the power that they need and the ability and all of that stuff, is also able to remove any obstacles that presented themselves to the children who were just faithfully showing up to do the work. Verse 8, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel uh, have laid the foundation of this temple. Now, this is speaking of like, this is going to happen. So not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he connects that directly back to the menorah that's supplied by the two olive trees on the right and on the left, an unending supply of olive oil to keep the lamp burning bright. And God's like, I got the power. It's my might. It's my ability. It's my power. Just hang on for the ride, right? Like, oh, the mountain? Don't worry. I'm going to move the mountain because this is going to happen. This is going to happen. The foundation has been laid. It says, his hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. God knows how to finish what he starts. I'll read another verse to you. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he, and the he is God, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what he started in you, whenever you finally got smart enough to like say, like, I surrender, like, I'm all in, Jesus, the good work that he started in your heart on that day, he will see it through. He will see it through. But what if I do? No, no what ifs. Cling to Jesus. You don't give room for the what ifs. There's no, no what ifs, okay? It's like when, when before Nellie and I got married, the counsel that I received from my pastor, man that I love dearly, tremendously, flew him out to California to do our wedding. He told me before Nellie and I got married, he says, listen, the word divorce I want you to remove that from your vocabulary. Take it out of the equation. It never went in the equation. Because I'm young, I'm dumb, I'm in love. It's like, oh, we're married forever. He's like, I know that, because you are. But he's like, I want you to remove that term from your knowledge bank. It's not an option. It's not an option. You remove it. Now, this isn't a statement on can Christians get divorced. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying... For a lot of believers, we spend so much time exhausting ourselves over the what if. No, no what ifs. Is his word true? It is. 
And his word says, I will finish what I start. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Don't let the word minor fool you. Normally, its definition is widely known as not important, but that's not the case here. Many men from days of old spoke about the faithfulness of Jesus and his power to bring wayward souls back to him. Despite all of their poor choices, Jesus used different prophets to speak the saving truth of his righteousness into their lives. If you liked what you heard today, you have an opportunity to share it with others by making a donation to this ministry at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Donation tab. Feel free to explore other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home, or you simply want to connect and pray with somebody, we'd love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you have two options available to you, Sundays at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. If you can't get there, we invite you to use our Facebook live stream. We'd love to connect with you because there's hope and healing in Jesus. Our time is up for today's edition, but we'd encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about these prophets that had major messages from God. Join us for more wisdom that comes from the Word of God right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.